I dress up in um, somebody else's clothes and hair and I put um, very bright, brightly coloured, what, what can only be described as what in, in sort of normal light looks a bit like war paint on my face. And I go out and I go out onto a flat surface in front of thousands of other humans and I pretend to be someone else. <laughs> Welcome back to Astronaut to Zookeeper podcast. I'm the art teacher formerly known as Miss Willis and I'm on a mission to catch up with former students to see what career paths they've taken and what advice they would give their 14 year old self all with the aim to open up the imagination for young people when it comes to life after school. And today I'm speaking with Emma Breton and, and I think that in the first time in the podcast, we're actually speaking to somebody in a whole other country. <laughs> so, yes. uh, hi, Emma. Tell us where you are and what you're doing. Hello. Now. Yes, I am in Seoul, in South Korea at the moment. Um, and I am performing in the world tour of the Phantom of the Opera. Um, so that's why I'm here. And we are, yeah, we're, we're, we're still going. Other shows are not, but we are. We're very lucky. This is, yeah, this is amazing because so we're recording during the whole craziness that is the COVID-19 pandemic. And uh, so in the UK, we're all in lockdown and no theatres are open or anything like that. Uh, but yours is. Yes, it's, we did shut down for a few weeks. Um, we did have a couple of cast members who actually tested positive and they, they recovered. Um, but yes, Korea is dealing with the virus really amazingly well. Um, they I think because they had I think it was the MERS crisis a few years ago they mm. they were really on it straight away and yeah our theatre is open and we have full audiences we're so lucky and it is really slightly bizarre but wonderful. So so obviously we've kind of given it away but you are an actor and a singer yes yes I am that is yes I still I only I've only just managed to start saying that to people I've worked as an actor for now three years okay. but I still I always I've always found it a strange thing to say because I've always felt like it's something other people say and I I can't believe I'm saying it so but yes that is what I am <laughs> excellent well welcome to yeah. the podcast thank you it's so lovely to be here to be chatting so um, if I can go back a few years then, if we go back to, yes. um, well, well, let's start off. Um, can you remember what you wanted to be when you were five years old? Yes. I, well, I can't fully remember, but I think when you're five, you kind of, you just, you're just influenced by your kind of real immediate vicinity. So I remember being five and, and having this knowledge that my dad was the nurse and I now know he wasn't a nurse he actually taught nursing but I you know in the five-year-old brain he was the nurse and so that was kind of what adults just did so in my mind that is what I would do because that's what adult humans did so I think yeah when I was five it was sort of well I'll just be a nurse like my dad that was the way I I, I view, viewed things it was quite a nice simple time I guess. <laughs> When did you start thinking, oh, there are other jobs out there? And when did you start thinking, oh, I quite like to do something? I mean, what did you want to be when you were a teenager? Can you remember? I guess, well, I, I've, as a teenager, I was always really, really interested. I, I've always been really interested um, since an early age in kind of uh, 
weirdly politics, social justice. And um, I took a really keen interest in that from kind of even from like 12, 13, 14. I think I'm, I come from a family where we discuss things like that a lot. Mm. Um, and um, so I always sort of my teenage years, I kind of thought I'd want to do something around maybe law, human rights law, um, um, even as much, you know, even maybe become a politician. I don't know. I just had in the back of my head, acting and singing was the kind of real aspirational dream. And that was, if you'd have asked me to be truly honest about what I wanted to do at that time, that would have been what I would have said. But my sensible kind of, most of my brain was like, oh, you know, I, I'll, I'll do something deemed kind of sensible, which, you know, is, I don't know why we categorize things like that. But, and so that was probably what um, I would have said something like, oh, I want to be a lawyer or, um, I don't know, I always thought I could work in the EU. I liked languages, okay. so I thought I could go and work abroad. So yeah, teenage me, um, had kind of, I'd say, more sensible <laughs> aspirations. Isn't it strange that we, yeah. I don't know, we condition young people sometimes in that, oh, yeah, you totally. need a sensible answer and then you can have a, <laughs> a real You can have your pipe dream, absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, it, yeah, yeah. So I think that's what I, I always thought to the point that I actually, yeah, I went and did a degree in, in politics with German prior to any oh, acting wow. or singing because I still kept that going you know oh no I'm doing I'm doing the I'm doing the right thing all the way through to my early 20s um that really stuck with me until eventually yeah. I gave in and 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 thought okay no I've got to, I've got to give it a go kind of thing yeah so, the voice yeah. inside you said give it a go yeah <laughs> yeah just try just see <laughs> so can you can you describe what you were like at school I mean I remember you always being very oh. well behaved um, <laughs> and always smiling and always being very lovely. But can you describe what, from your perspective, what was school like? Oh, I wish I could have some cool stories where I could say I was this kind of rebel. But yeah, you're right. I was through and through. I couldn't break rules. I I was I was I was extremely anxious child. I think really anxious. Um, I think it was just innately in me. I still am a bit of an anxious adult, but I worried a lot and um, I hated causing any kind of conflict or drama. So yeah, I just always, I was a real people pleaser as a teenager. And I think, you know, I think as teenagers, like it's just an angsty time, isn't it? It can be a really mm-hmm. hard time. And um, yeah, I was just a bit anxious, um, but I did love school. But you were pretty confident in the sense that you were often on stage at school, right? You were in the yeah, show. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was, I did this, I did sort of discover a love for singing really early on. Um, And deep, deep down, again, this comes back to kind of like this feeling at the back of my, kind of in my heart and the back of my head that, that I, I, I I really had a need to be a singer. It was really Mm -hmm. in, you know, I remember being 10 and saying to my dad something like, I need to go on telly and be a, be a singer or something like that. And he, he, I was only 10 and he thought, well, where the hell is this coming from? (laughs) Um, But yeah, so school and I was, I was so lucky to be at a school that kind of fostered that. And there was so much work and effort by the teachers put into productions. And um, I was lucky to to play some great parts and yeah, it was just a really great time. And I I think, yeah, I was confident on stage. I felt less confident in real life, but stage Mm. stage for some reason it sounds a bit cliche doesn't it but I did I felt you know more myself on stage 
So here's a question. If you had to describe what you do to an alien, what would you say? I guess I'd say that I dress up in um, somebody else's clothes and hair and I put... Um, very bright, brightly coloured. What what could only be described as what in in sort of normal light looks a bit like war paint on my face. <laughs> and I go out and I go out onto a flat surface in front of thousands of other humans, and I pretend to be someone else. Um, and we we tell a story, um, a, a fictional story, or sometimes a true story. It depends. Um, and everybody sits and listens and watches and hopefully enjoys themselves. I hope hope at times and that's what I do so are you are you mostly a stage actor then or have you done any I yes I would count myself really I mean I've only worked on the stage since I've I um since I've been professional so the last three years all my work has been stage work and um um a lot of actors want to um kind of step over and, and maybe if they do one they'd like to do the other um I very much I for me the stage is kind of it really and I I don't I did do some acting for for screen and for, for television and film training and I enjoyed it but um there's something kind of scary for me personally about having my work forever solidly there that I whereas in the theatre you get a new you get a new chance every night you get a fresh mm. chance to to do better or to make it slightly different or to to add something every night and for me that's 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 what I love and that's what I always and you get the reaction from the audience there straight away so there's I think the money is is probably more in in film and television um well it definitely is but um for me it is yes it's theatre and stage yeah I don't I can't ever see myself um, trying really hard to swap over necessarily it's such a skill because they are totally different skills as well they are they are absolutely opposite ends of the spectrum and I always really admire actors who can truly do both properly and really well it's very it's a very impressive thing um, so what's a common misconception people have about your job gosh I think there's a lot actually and I think the first thing I would say is that there's a, there's a there's an idea of kind of glamour around it, um, and that it's kind of this glamorous, well-paid, exciting thing. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to do it down. I I I adore it, and it's all I've ever wanted to do. But I did have to go on quite a learning curve in my first kind of year or so in the business, in realizing that, like any job, it's your day job, and um, it, it, it's really not glamorous. You know, you get unbelievably sweaty um, and um, you can feel just so exhausted. It, exhaustion like I've never experienced before, actually, in some mm. of my other contracts. Yeah, so unglamorous in many ways. Um, so, and you know, you sort of stuff your hair, sweaty hair under under this this very hilarious wig cap that, that makes you look like a boiled egg and then you put the wig on top and um uh yeah so it is it, I think that's a misconception I think the other thing yeah. is 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 a level it, it doesn't really get talked about and even when I was training at, at drama school to be an actor and a singer that doesn't get talked about the kind of just day in day out um boredom that can set in um that that um 
it can be so wonderful and you can have such highs getting your dream job and going on stage in front of thousands of people and get standing ovations. It's just amazing. But also there's a realistic um, day-to-day nature of just having to just go out and do exactly the same thing every single night Mm. and deliver every single night um, that, that, that you know you need to find tricks and and psychological tools to cope with that and 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 some some particularly stay is this this is kind of more true to stage work some actors maybe don't so much because it is yeah you have to keep it fresh and yet mm. it's so not fresh to you it can be totally unfresh um you know you've said the same line day in day out for seven months straight yeah and you can't believe you're saying it again and you might you might scream but you've got to just go out there and and keep it fresh so that is a real that's something that yeah I talk about with people who aren't in the business who aren't who don't who aren't actors and yeah yeah it's just something that um I think is a misconception it's not yeah it's a lot of work and a lot of um just daily grind really involved Can you give us an example of when you've had a really good day, like a best day? Yeah. uh, Gosh, I think um, often the best days come either during, actually, I always find really in the rehearsal period, I have, I just love it because it's it's a time when you're set new challenges and you've got new things to get your head around. and you you do a lot of rehearsing and there's a kind of a real reward when you um you've been rehearsing for something for a while and you feel like you've 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 you know the the rehearsing is starting to show to show and you're making progress and you're getting stage ready and those are those are really rewarding days um Mm. and similarly I think often the best days are kind of your your opening often your opening nights they're just so electric and you know um the first time I went on stage with the Phantom of the Opera in in Seoul was yeah it was a day I guess I'd yeah I couldn't believe it happened I couldn't believe I was here I couldn't believe how lucky I was um taking that bow and that was sorry I'm I'm, I feel like I'm welling up now even talking about it it's crazy isn't it it just really it really got me um um so and then you get you you sometimes hear stories of like personal um personal stories of audience members um uh, the Chris, the big. I was doing a huge Christmas spectacular show, um, sort of last autumn, and one of the audience members, I think, wrote a letter to say that he had tickets to book with come come with his wife, and she actually ended up with um, severe dementia, and so he couldn't come with her, so he came alone, and that the whole show had basically been really comforting to him, mm. and had been two hours of pure escapism, and had uh, it was just a very emotional letter, and I couldn't mm. believe, you know, it was just that that was a really things like that um feel very special um so yeah those those are some of the best days um yeah yeah, and I think nothing beats an opening night so can you describe for us um a really difficult day or or a worst day that you've had yes so um uh there are there are so many difficult things um, in, in, in sort of the acting world. Um, and I think any actor would be the first to, to list them quite quickly because um, um, it, is, it is very tough. And um, perhaps not so much in the working day, but the, the, I think the hardest thing is, is being out of work. And I think anyone who is thinking of being an actor or a performer, um, you know, 
ultimately the truth is that there'll be lots of times when there will you won't have work as a performer um and um the audition kind of treadmill mill is can be very soul destroying and mm. um particularly you can the, the i think the hardest ones are when you've been auditioning for a show for you know ages you've been seen you've been in numerous times and um you you do particularly i think when you're a singer because the voice is such a delicate instrument you know you can't you can't go to parties really you can't have some drinks you need to just be careful so if you're auditioning over a number of weeks you you do put your life on hold to an extent mm. um and you'll get loads of material through to learn so you'll be learning it late up late in the night trying to learn this material and get it all audition ready um and then majority of the time you won't get it mm. um nearly all of the time you won't get it um and that is the the truth and it can be very difficult and somehow you have to get back up from that yeah. and work out strategies to to cope and to to find your self-worth from other things not just yourself as a performer and you know your that was a journey I had to go on that my, my worth doesn't come from from booking jobs and from doing good auditions my worth comes from me as a human being and and other things I do in life and other interests and all those kind mm. of things so that 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 can be really hard and I've had some real um even for Phantom you know I, I got seen numerous times um for the West End the UK tour and then the world tour and I I, I think I went in the audition room for Phantom in one year something like I don't know eight nine times before mm. I booked this world tour so um that is something that anyone who is thinking of, of doing, of going into, into the theatre world has to be very realistic about and prepared for. Um, yeah, that's, that's really interesting because like you say, you, you are on show, you know, you're, yeah, you're, you're literally yeah. out there for people to, yeah. to scrutinise and to criticise yes. and to judge um, both the good and the bad. And so mm. what you were saying there about knowing that you're, you're worth, that, that's that's one side of you you're a, you're an actor and you're a singer but that's that's not who you are and that's really important because there will be rejection and there will be um difficult times so yeah that's really so do you have a kind of um do you have other hobbies do you have other things that that help you in that kind of um yes aspect yeah i think i think actors find different ways of 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 getting through it for me weirdly um my stage name is is so helpful because mm. I separate out. I almost live a life of two people. And mm. Emma Breton is is professional me um, is almost. I mean, is almost kind of like a commodity that I market and I effectively sell. Mm. It sounds ridiculous, but that that is how I view Emma Breton. And then Emma Bryant, who is my personal life and me me, and that Emma Bryant kind of represents me as a whole human. Yeah. Um, and um, everything else in my life and I think that can be a really helpful strategy a lot of actors don't have stage names but for me that is very helpful mm. um and yeah I think I have other hobbies for me uh I love exercise is a really important thing for for my mental health and for coping and that's what I do a lot of mm -hmm. um I mean we I think as a the musical theatre performer you do need to stay quite fit and healthy anyway but um that's what I find helps um and for a lot of actors, um, it's about having um, another sort of almost side career or side, we call, you know, side gig um, that 
you find as fulfilling and that makes your life as meaningful as if you were almost to get your leading role and that you can happily do day in day out while you wait for that job to come along in the acting world and that that can be really helpful I um and that's something that weirdly I'm kind of all still on a journey of trying to think about what what that could be and what I want to do um long term yeah alongside the performing world how does money work in in your world so for for anybody who's listening to this and thinking oh I'm interested in going down that route um so do you get salaries how how does it work yes wow that that I'll try and give a quick a relatively quick answer um I think unfortunately in the performing world in many ways um it's still uh benefits um people who have some level of financial backing because it is so um it's such a fragile um kind of existence um in terms of trying to get work and and it can be very elite and that is something that i think a lot more needs to be done um in within the industry to to help people who might be less advantaged to 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 have access um for sure um in terms of of basic pay um it it kind of it just varies from contract to contract there's no kind of salary so i am self i'm a self-employed emma breton is effectively a a um um I'm a freelancer and um, I have an agent, so I'm represented by my agent who will mm-hmm. negotiate what I get paid for the jobs and the, sat- the, the contracts that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it varies from contract to contract and you only ever get paid, you know, when you're in that job for that contract. There's never any kind of like pay before or after. So if you get, you know, six months there to work, that's six months paid work and then you're then you are out of that job and you are out of that that money coming in so um that's why I think it is so important to to as as hard as it can be to have something that you find fulfilling and that does that does sort of pay relatively well when you're out of theatre work because it can be so hard to be in theatre work Um, and that's something that I think anyone who who is thinking about doing it it's such a good a good thing to to really think about from the offset what would you say to somebody um, who's perhaps never seen a musical, not necessarily interested? Um, what would you say to sort of encourage them to go and see one? And uh, what one would you recommend to be their first musical? Well, I would say that, yeah, because like I, you know, I, I, I'm never offended when people say, oh, I actually really hate musicals because, you know, we're all entitled to to feel the way we feel and not like certain things. I think I would, I often say to people who say that, I say, okay, I I totally understand that. But within within musical theatre, there's just the most enormous range. Um, And I think people, when they think of musicals, they think of kind of often the kind of real... um, quite cheesy and in a great way often but that cheesy you know love romantic story um lots of jazz hands and (laughs) and you know really kind of plastered on smiles and high kicks and there is that kind of musical theater but I think there's there is 
if you look hard enough, there is a sort of a bit of musical theatre for everybody out there. Not mm -hmm. maybe everybody, but most people, um, because there's just such an amazing array of stuff, kind of really sort of weird avant-garde um, stuff. I mean, I think anyone who's interested in sort of... Uh, the amazingness of kind of maybe poetry or literature. I mean, Stephen Sondheim is is the one the one to go to because his mm. his lyrics are just if you look at them written down, they're just so, they're like wizardry. They're so clever. Um, and then there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff out there that's very political. Um, and I think more and more um, musical theatre can be used these days to really talk about some some untold stories that really need to be heard of, of kind of oppressed people. And right. um, like Hamilton. so Hamilton, exactly. I mean, Hamilton, yeah, there's so much out there. Um, um, in, in, and I don't know, um, um, I don't know if you've heard of six, but it's, it's kind mm -hmm. of a, a, a pop retelling of, of the Henry VIII, six wives. And it's kind of a feminist retelling of kind of like, hang on, these were six women with lives. They weren't just some kind of a man's sort of plaything who he just beheaded them. And now they're just this, you know, rhyme in our history book. They were women who were abused and actually, so there's, there's that, that musical that's come out. That's kind of like a, it's a crazy pop, um, amazing pop musical so there's so much out there but I mean if I think if anyone hadn't seen a musical my recommendation would always be to like just start off with an amazing classic like Lane Miz you can't really go yeah. wrong um or or something I mean I mean you, Hamilton is just mm -hmm. you know completely sublime so um so uh yeah um I think there's something for everyone you just have to look kind of look hard enough that's it thank you thank you so Gosh. much for your time no, i know it's precious you. but thank you for coming on it's been really nice to speak to you it's been wonderful to speak to you and um i think i hope something i've said has been helpful and it's just been lovely to be on and and, and speak with you and yeah no thank you so much <laughs> I feel we should have ended with a song there, but thank you so much to Emma for coming on the podcast all the way from Seoul in South Korea. Um, really interesting to uh, not only learn about what's going on over there at the minute, um, but what it's like to be um, a stage actor and a singer in, in one of the greatest musicals of all time. So really appreciate Emma. Thank you so much. Um, as ever, um, do head on over to our Instagram account at Astro Zookeeper and Emma has given us her follow up three. And of course, thanks to you for listening. Um, we'll be back uh, with our next episode, which will be the last one of the series. Um, so uh, look forward to that. Bye bye.